0: Thank you, Pastor Lewis. Uh, Thank you, choir, worship team. Uh, What a powerful name it is. A couple of months ago, uh, listening to the Christian radio in Florida, this lady gave a testimony that she was uh, bringing up her family, her kids, as atheists. So uh, their, their smaller son asked her that she can go to her friend's uh, house for the afternoon after school. And she says, sure. Um, When he got home, he says, Mom, Mom, I heard this beautiful name that I've never heard before. And she goes, son, what is it? She says, the little kid says, it's the name of Jesus. Can we find out more about him? What a powerful name it is. The whole family surrendered to Jesus. Uh, And that's why we're here, because we do believe that that's a powerful name. And I just want to thank God and for each one of you for the privilege of just being here with you this morning. I I don't want to brag on on Pastor Evan, because I don't want him to get prideful in sin this morning. But I want to thank God for his life, for his leadership, for being obedient to his call. Uh, Since April, we've been in contact, and, and I've just been impressed. Uh, to the be- obedience that that he's been to his call, and and thank this church for calling him uh, to as your pastor, and I just pray that that you continue praying for him and loving on him and and just listening to his heart. There's a lot of stuff in there, and I also want to thank God for the search committee. Uh, I don't want to name all of them, but thank you for for John. He's uh, and his wife. They've been great, and every single member, uh, including the with the Hispanics and. Thank you because uh, what this is supposed to be a process has become a journey. And uh, I don't know what the vote's going to be, but I'm okay. Because we've learned along the way that it doesn't matter if it's in Florida, it doesn't matter if it's in Georgia, it doesn't matter if it's in Fairburn, it's still the same Jesus. And we all still have the same vision of telling everyone that Jesus is our only hope. And I want to thank also uh Larry and Judy. If you know them and you know it's been a blessing. What a, a beautiful family. As, as soon as you just walk in their home, uh it's it's all peace. And obviously God is moving in the midst of you. And I just want to thank God and and I thank God that I got to be here with my wife and my daughter in this journey and and thank you, because we were here three years ago. I mean three years ago, uh three weeks ago and my daughter got back home and she was bragging that how sweet and what a kind spirit uh, you had. So thank you for ministering even to our family. And I just thank God for the Hispanic uh, ministry, for the way that they just loved on us. And, and I told them this morning, I preached with them up there. Uh, just be with them because they're going to have to hear the same sermon now in English. Uh, <laughs> but I just thank God for them, the way that they're so sensitive to God's word that it was, uh, we just had a good time in, in God's word. And please understand, it's not about theirs. It's not. It's still about Jesus. And it's about his kingdom. And it's about what he's doing. And if this is his will, praise God. So I just want to thank God for each one of you in this whole process and this whole journey. And I just, uh, the only thing that I do, don't, I don't want you to hold against me because the pastor told me, I've known Pastor Lewis for a lot of years. And I just met him on Friday and my wife was right. She goes, no, we've seen him guide worship. I said, no, babe, we probably saw him in the convention booth or somewhere. Uh, so uh, I knew him when he was a music minister in, uh, in First Baptist of Claremont many years ago. So I see this church does something right in calling. So I hope you do well. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you that it's, uh, it's a power in your name. And that's why we're here today. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for their being intentional, Lord, and give us the opportunity to be able to worship you in our own language, and our own culture, Lord. Thank you that they're still seeking for a man of God that guides them to be able to worship and, and preach in the, in the language in which they laugh and cry in, and we thank you for that. We just pray, Lord, that you speak to us through, through your word. We love you, and we have no doubt that you are the guest of honor here today. We ask you this in your precious name. Amen. A lot of people ask me, well, what did you really do for 15 years with a convention? Uh, we lived in Tallahassee, in Ocala, in Miami, and Miami. Uh, and when I was the director of language church development, I had the whole state from Pensacola all the way down to Key West. Uh, I drove 5,000 miles a month. Uh, and people says, what do you do for so many years and so many things? The only way that I can explain To you, what I used to do, I don't know if you heard about the little, uh, about the cat that was trying to uh, get the little rat. And uh, right before he caught the little rat, the rat hid behind a garbage can. And then all of a sudden, the cat was trying to reach him and he couldn't. And the little rat just started laughing at him, taking his tongue out at him. And all of a sudden, the little rat heard a dog barking and some footsteps running away. So the little rat took a deep breath, put a smile on and walked away from the garbage can. And the cat snatched him. And the little rat says, wait a second, we just heard a dog barking. And the cat smiled, and he says, isn't it great to be bilingual? Uh, so ma- mainly that was my ministry. It didn't matter where we go, from Pensacola, people would say, oh, no speaking English. And I would tell them, no se preocupe, yo hablo español. Or they would see us in Spanish, oh, we don't speak any Spanish. I go, but don't worry, I can speak a, a little bit of English. So mainly that was... Uh, our ministry and the most important thing was to be obedient. It doesn't matter where God calls us, we need to be obedient. And if, we have, if we're going to talk about being obedient, we need to talk about Jonah. You see, that's why I know that this is the word of God, that this was inspired by the Holy Spirit to be written. Because if it was only by man, I would not have put, Pastor Evan, Jonah in the Bible. We're talking about a, a missionary being disobedient. And in the only book in the Bible that ends with a question. They said, don't you even care for the animals and the people? And you know the story. It's not a very pretty book. Even when he gets to Nineveh, there is a revival. And this has nothing to do with the sermon. This is for free. There's a revival. And he sits there. To wait for Nineveh to mess up so God can destroy it. Be careful with your walk, with your testimony as as a church. There are people waiting for you, for us, to mess up and to say, oh, and he's in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I think it's time for us to be obedient. So I ask you to open your Bibles to uh, Jonah chapter 1. And I like this book because Jonah and you, Jonah and me, have one thing in common. And that thing in common that we have with Jonah is That either we have run from God or we're running from God and there are some reason why we like to run from God we run from God because we want to do things our way and because we know that we want to do things our way we just decide to run from God we run from God because we don't want to live the lifestyle that God is calling us and we're we're adults we know exactly what God wants from us as, as a man as a woman as a wife as a husband as a marriage as a church we know but when we don't want to obey that lifestyle we just decide to run away from God sometimes we run from God because we don't want to commit we don't want to commit more of our life more of our time more of our our giving so we would decide that if we run away we're okay and also sometimes we run from God because we're in war with God and that also breaks my heart I'm sure you know people That maybe their husband, their wife, their kids, somebody got a tumor, cancer, and died. And they've been in war with God since that day. You see, because when we run from God, the bottom line is that we just want to be disobedient. We don't want to submit. But we're going to learn this morning that we we can run from God. You can run all you want from God, but you can't hide from God. So look at there in Jonah chapter 1. And the first thing that we want to look uh, at is the call, the call that that, that, uh, God does to Jonah. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cried out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You see, it's very clear. You don't need a doctorate. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to, to people say, well, I really don't understand the Bible. I think the call is very clear. It simply says, arise, go to Nineveh and preach. You see, in that we're all still under that call we all still under the same call to arise. And unfortunately, when you tell somebody to, uh, to arise, it's because they're laying down, because they're just uh, being a bum uh, or lazy. So that's the same call that God is asking us nowadays. Arise, go and preach the word. And it doesn't matter in what language. It doesn't matter in what city or what state. It's still the great commission. It's still the call to each one of us. It's not about the pastor. That's why we pay him. It's not about Nam, And that's why we have uh, the missionaries. It's still to understand that we are all under that great commission to go and to preach. Now, the interesting is, where does he call Jonah to preach? And it says there that he called them to Nineveh. And understand, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. A serious hobby when they had nothing to do, when they would walk around and say, hey, what are we going to do today? Hey, let's go attack uh, Israel. It was a really rough people. Not only that, but in other words, uh, Nineveh was an enemy of God. And that's where God called Jonah to go. Please listen to my heart. Sometimes God is going to call us to places that we don't want to go. Sometimes God's going to ask us to do stuff that we do not want to do. So my question for all of us is, what's your Nineveh? We all have a Nineveh. It could be your marriage. It could be your husband, your wife, your, your kids. It could be the way that you're, you're walking and your and walk with the Lord. What's your Nineveh? Each one of us in here today have a Nineveh, that place that we don't want to uh, go, those things that we don't want to do. But that is the place that we know, that know, that we know that God is calling us. So let me ask you a question. What is our Nineveh? Because when there is a calling, and I I brought up my kids saying, listen, I don't care if you're going to be picking up garbage. I don't care if you're going to be a lawyer. I don't care if you're going to be a cop. I don't care where you're going to be. All I ask you to be is obedience. So the only thing that God, our Father, wants from us is obedience. So here's the call, arise, go to Nineveh, those places that we don't want to go, those, those people that we don't like, that, that place, maybe even our mother-in-law or our, our husband or wife, that Nineveh that we know that we fight with him every day or we run away from him every day, that's what he's calling us. The question is, what is the answer? Because there's only two answers, either we're obedient or disobedient. And I know our culture nowadays is trying to paint everything gray or, well, well, not really. If, no, no, either you are or you're not. Either you're obedient or you're not obedient. Listen to verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Please don't miss out on that verse. He went far away from the presence of God, and it's incredible when you start understanding from from uh, Joppa to Nineveh. There was only five hundred miles. From from Joppa to Tarshish was two thousand five hundred miles. You see, when I read Jonah, I need to ask myself how far how far are we from God's will? How far is it from what he's called us to be as men, as women, as marriages, as a church? How far have we gone to be disobedient? Or like that verse says that he left uh, from the presence of the Lord. Where are we as a church? Where are we as marriages? Where are we uh, across the board in our walk with him? How far are we from that place that God called us? But please understand, when there's disobedience... There's consequences. And we see this from verse 4 through 11. It says, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken. Please understand this, and and you might misunderstand it, but listen to my heart. I think we're giving Satan way too much credit nowadays. I understand that Satan is powerful, but he's not all-powerful. Did you notice what that verse 4 says? But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. You see, it wasn't Satan. It was part of the consequences of our disobedience. Because sometimes things come to a life, and, 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 and please understand that everything that comes to our life is stamped by God. So we see that Satan has really not all that power. It needs to be approved by God. If not, ask Job. If not, ask Jonah. Because even this storm came into the life, giving him a chance for him to wake up, to see, listen, look what happens where you're not obedient, but we see there that, that, that there was danger. See, when we run from the light, we go to darkness. When we leave wisdom, we end up where we think it's right. And boy, that has got us into a lot of trouble. That's why it's just better not to get God angry. Just to be obedient to what he's called us to be. Because there is consequences. And I know what people are going to say. Have you, I don't know about you, but the most thing that I hear nowadays is, but pastor, this is my life. Who am I hurting? And people start saying, well, but this is my private life. We hear that in politics. We hear that with our neighbors, with our family. Well, this is my life. And who am I hurting? You want to see who we're hurting? Look at verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. Did you notice who was was he hurting? Here's Jonah being disobedient. He just went down to sleep. The mariners. You know who we hurt when we're not obedient to the Nineveh? You know who we hurt when we're not being the husband, the wife, the family, the marriage, the church? Those closest to us are the ones that get hurt. If not, look at it. When there's a divorce, the kids. When I'm if I'm uh, committing adultery, my wife. If my wife is not submitting and being a godly man, uh, woman, the man and the kids. And when the church is not being obedient to the call, the community, the state. And then here's everything. We want to blame the White House. We want to blame Satan. We want to blame everybody. But what if it's us that are not being obedient to our Nineveh? And here the mariners started throwing over all their goods. And they were afraid. But it's interesting. They said that Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. You see, a lot of people sometimes, and, and I know there's many reasons to, to leave a church and, and stuff that goes on, but a lot of times people leave the church because they're sleepy spiritually, and instead of having the conversations, instead of saying, okay, how can we better this, they just go into, into a deep uh, sleep. You know what's sad, and we need to ask our questions as marriages, as husband, as wife, while we're asleep, Who's getting hurt? Who are the victims in our lives while we're sleeping spiritually? And here are the mariners just uh, going crazy. And please don't say that it's your life. It's, it's not your life. You were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we all have a purpose in our lives. And the Lord is just waiting for us just to be obedient. Listen to verse 6. So the captain came to him and said, to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. This is incredible. Here are the sinner, here a non-believer asking the Christian to pray. And, and at least among the Hispanic churches, sometimes they say, "Pastor, if I because we know the Bible, it said that if we don't speak, the rocks will." And then among the Hispanic, that come as a pastor. The day that, that I hear a walk speak, I'm running. I said, I'm not running. I'm falling on my knees asking for forgiveness because we've been disobedient. And here's the missionary. Here's Jonah. And here is a group of mariners. And we know that they're not the most Christian like people saying, Hey, sleepyhead, why aren't you praying to your God? And here they are, they're victims. So again, we have to ask, who are the victims for us not to be praying? And even as church, I always tell the churches, please understand, there are mothers and fathers and, and, and families that are praying for their neighbors, and they're praying for them to come to church. That's why the church has to put on their A-game, understand that everything we give has to be the best because it's for the Lord, but for the same time, it could be an answer prayer of 20 or 30 years. For somebody. Because we still have to be awake and understand what God is doing around us. There's a song in Spanish that says, for this time, for, th- for this moment, God has brought us together. So I tell people, stop complaining about the rumors of wars and the wars and the economy and everything. For this time, for this time, God has brought us, all these generations, for this time, for his purpose. We can't miss that. Please, we can't miss it. We see here Jonah missing the point. Not only not going to Nineveh, but here he is being able to minister to some mariners, and he was asleep. Please, church, don't fall asleep. And I always tell the Hispanics, it's not time to fall asleep. It's not the time to complain. It's not time to say, well, I've done enough. No, now is the time to say, Lord, that's my Nineveh. I'm heading that way. And that is my prayer for the church nowadays listen to verse 7 and they said to one another come let us cast lots that we may uh, know for whose cause this trouble has uh, come upon us so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah Wow we always tell other people you need to trust the Lord you need to trust the Lord put your hands in the uh, put your life in the hands of the Lord but listen, that, it's a really nice statement, and it's true, but until we don't understand or accept that God is in control, we're not going to trust him. And I love that, that, that verse, they cast lots, what are the odds? This is not even, you know, playing the lotto in Georgia or in Florida, what are the odds? They cast lots, and bingo, Jonah was it. You don't think God is in control of our life? That's why it's not worth running. Because it doesn't matter how far you run, you can can run, but you can't hide. And here it is, that all of a sudden the cast, uh, lots, and it landed on Jonah. Verse 8, then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where you come from? What is your country and what of people are you? That was a great question. This past month, I did a whole conference because for years, that verse would really bug me. Because I think that it's time for us before we let people on our boat, on our ship, we better start asking questions. And I know people says, well, we got to let them come in so we can preach them. You better ask the questions because there are people in our families and our marriages that come in and they're running from God. And all of a sudden, we let them in, and all of a sudden, on Sunday morning, they say, oh, look what a beautiful uh, day it is. Let's go have a picnic, or oh, let's go see, do this and do that. And sometimes, not only they destroy our walk with the Lord, but they can even destroy our kids. They can even destroy our marriages. So it is time to ask questions. Who are you? Where you come from? Because when it's from God, God starts doing stuff in our families, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our churches, in our community. Because now that's when you start understanding that God is in control. And that God is up to something uh, in our life. And here comes a verse, and and I told the the Hispanic this morning, that really bugs me. I mean, I almost have to take a deep breath to to read it. Verse 9. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the seas, the sea and the dry land. Please do not say amen, or don't. Do you notice how easy it is to know some verses? You see how, oh, I know Psalms 23, and I know John 3:16, and I know. It's not about knowing, it's about walking it. Here's Jonah. How dare this guy, <laughs> how dare he say, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. Are you serious? You fear the Lord, and, and look at this storm? You fear the Lord, and I'm sure these mariners with a little cup are trying to get the water out. <laughs> you fear the Lord? Are you serious that not only you fear the Lord, but you know this God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land? You see, because sometimes our walk doesn't go along with our talk. And people are, are non believers. Please understand that our cities, our states are non believers. They're not dumb. They see our walk, they hear our talk, and they're saying something is not matching. And here we have Jonah getting up and saying, Whoa, well, I'm Hebrew and I fear God and, and the God of, of all creation. Stop it. Shh. Don't say that out loud. Look at your walk. You're running away. You're running away from that, from, from that Nineveh that you know that they're calling you, in your marriage, and your friendships, and church, and serving in your community. We can't brag about the God that we know, and we keep running away from him. Because the opportunity is just right in front of him, not only in Nineveh, but the opportunity was right in the boat, Jonah, and you're missing it. And how do I know that people know? Listen to, to verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He says, why have you done this? Why don't you walk? Why don't you share God's love with me? Why don't you? There's so many questions that nowadays it doesn't make any sense. Because if we love and the Bible says that that God is love, so that's the first thing that has to be going from our lives. We brag that Jesus is in our hearts and we're on our way to Nineveh or we're running the opposite way. And it's tough. But I think the United States, I believe that our churches, that our city are paying a huge price. Because I believe that Jonah's in the Bible because God is just putting a, a mirror in front of us. And he's saying, who are you? Who are we? Who are we as a church? Who are we as marriages? Who, who Are we really walking? Or it's just about... Because here's my fear, and please understand. My fear is that we become professional in what we do. We already know when to raise our hand. We already know when to close our eyes. We know most or not, or all the hymns and all the worship songs. And I believe that we already became professional of that. But when we walk out, what happens in the car with your husband, with your wife, with your kids? What happens tomorrow at at, at work? And please don't misunderstand. I have no problem with a Monday night evangelism day or Tuesday. I have no problem with that. My problem is that you spend the whole day with non-believers, but then you come to church on Monday night, you put on your glasses, and then you see the lostness. See, because Christianity has to be a lifestyle. Because people are looking, and there's needs around us. And even needs, not only in the community, it starts even in, in, in our backyard with our husband, with our wives. So we got to ask ourselves, are we on our way to Nineveh? Or are we running away from what God wants us to be? Listen to verse 11. Then they said to him, what should we do to you that these seas may come for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous." It's easy. You know what what, uh, Jonah just had to do at that moment? Just stop running. That's all he had to do. All the thing that Jonah needed to do was to ask for forgiveness. And say, Jehovah God, I am done running. I'm going to Nineveh. That's all that Jonah had to do. But there was so much pride in his life. There was so much hate in his life. That listen to the sad solution that Jonah had for everything that was going on. Verse 12. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Instead of stop running, he decided that suicide is the best way out. Be careful with pride. Be careful with thinking that we know it all. Because in that verse, when he says, for I know, he learned the lesson that you can run from God, but you can't hide from God. See, because God permits big storms in our life. For seven years, I would minister in a jail uh, in Miami. And I'll never forget the first uh, time that a prisoner, we had a Saturday that was a testimony day. And this prisoner gets up, and I don't remember if it was 45 or 47 years. He says, I want to thank God because I already went to court, and they gave me, I think it was 47 years in prison. And I'm sitting there and saying, and you're thanking God? But the rest of his testimony was, because if I didn't come to jail, out there I would have continued living the life that I was living. But once this jail thing came into my life, I heard about the gospel how many of us have we heard about people that got cancers or tumors and in the hospital they're thanking God that they're in the hospital because that is where God touched their life you see cuz God permits these big storms in our life just to catch our attention just to catch our attention and here we have Jonah he his attention and he said no just just throw me over verse 13 Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. I, that verse I really love. Here are these non-believers. Here is just these mariners. They said that they immediately threw them over. They said that they started rowing harder and they were fighting. These guys had a lot of experience with the, with the boats and the storms. And they said that they were fighting not to do that. Listen, church, there are people praying. There's grandmothers praying. There are mothers and fathers praying for their kids, for us. There are people, there's pastors that are giving you uh, a good words of advice for us to stop running. I think that if I ask a question, many of us could raise our hand. How many are we praying for kids, for our kids in jail or in gangs or into all this stuff? Because there are people praying. And these mariners are love, because they were trying to save Jonah's life. Verse 14, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with the innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it please you. Can you believe that the mariners now are praying to the Lord with a capital L? (laughs) Is that incredible? And they were just, they were like Pilate. They were just saying, hey, uh, now we're beginning to know who you are, your power, your creation. But uh, please don't hold it against us because we're throwing this guy over. (laughs) And that's between you uh, and him. And and I love that because all of a sudden in the next verse, verse 15, this says, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea sees from its raging. Wow. That has to be painful. Where are we in our walk with the Lord? Where are we with our Nineveh to the point that they throw Jonah overboard and the sea became peace? We're, talk, we're talking about a About a missionary. We're talking about a Christian. We're talking about a leader. Look how far he's gone. Understanding. The clear calling. That God made. Church. Where are we? Do we understand the calling? Have we been obedient. To the call. Verse 16. Then the man feared the Lord. Exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Not only they prayed, but they gave their life. See, because we need to understand that God really could do whatever he wants. He doesn't even need us. But it's a privilege to be able to be part of what he's doing. Jeremiah says, call out, call out, and I'm going to show you things that your eyes and, and, that, and your, that you have never seen. You see, I'm 52, and I said, Lord, please, no more church. You know, Sunday morning, I want to see things that I haven't seen before. I'm tired and listen to my heart. I'm tired of reading about revivals. I'm tired of reading about revivals. I told Lord, either you come or before you take me, I want to experience a revival. I don't know if that looks like like multicultural church. I don't know if that's on, on lunchtime, people getting together to pray and have a little devotional. But I don't know about you, but I'm in that age right now that says, Lord, I need to see a revival. It's time to see his hand again. We're always talking about seeing, Lord, we want to see your glory, but are we ready to see his glory? Are we ready to stop running? Are we ready to say, Lord, I'm going to that Nineveh. I'm going to be the husband, the wife, the man, the woman, the young p- person. That senior adult, it doesn't matter where we came from. It doesn't matter our age. It doesn't matter how we look. We need to be obedient to the call because the cause still stands and we see the pain and we see our cities and we see the divorces and there's nothing worse for 15 years driving across the state of Florida, churches of 2000 to 4000 people with a for sale sign in front of the church. I would just park there and cry. And I said, you promised. Lord, you promised that the gates of hell wouldn't come against your church. What happened to this church? But I've noticed that we're Jonas. I've noticed that sometimes we read this story and it hurts so much because that is us. And we need to say, Lord, where are we? And we know the rest of the story. Listen how it ends in verse uh, 16. Then the men feared the Lord. And exceedingly, and offered his sacrifice to the Lord, and took vows. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. There's a lot of people that want to argue what kind of fish was that. Was it a whale? Was it a white shark? I don't want to talk about that. That's not the miracle. For me, you want to hear the miracle? That this... Sick man, rotten man was in the fish of a belly for three days. That's a miracle. Because we all know that if we eat something with the wrong date already, our stomach would automatically just throw it up. That's a miracle. Do you know what that's called? That's called grace. That's called mercy. you know why we're in here today? Not because you're uh, members of, of uh, Fairburn. You're here by, by his grace. You know why the the worship team could come up and and, and guide us in worship? Not because of practice, not because Pastor Lewis is the minister, it's because of his grace. You know why we get up, up here and preach? Not because we prepare, not because we got the call, because of his grace. So here's Jonah and the great big fish because of his grace. You want to know the truth? We're by his grace right now. And I'll end with this. I beg you. Don't wait for a big whale to stop running. Don't wait for the big fish to stop running. Don't wait for your husband, your wife, come up to you one morning and says, I don't love you anymore, I'm leaving you. Don't wait to go to the doctor and the doctor to tell you, hey, you have three months to live to stop running. Please don't wait for a phone call at 2 in the morning that your, your son or your daughter got killed in an accident or someone killed him before you stopped running. What if we just stop running? What if we just start heading to that Nineveh that we all know that we have? It doesn't matter, the young, the Hispanics. It doesn't matter. We, hot, we all have that Nineveh. Don't wait for that big fish to come. What if we just humble ourselves? And we stop running.